Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello and welcome to this topical life. Today is awesome because we have Aaron Hessel with us today from Hessel Law Offices. And the topic we are discussing discussing is estate planning. And um, don't be intimidated by these words, okay? Because um, I have to say, I didn't even know what estate planning was. I, I know what a will is and I know where I want my kids to go, but estate planning, I thought more like, what do I do with my house or that kind of stuff? But it has absolutely, you know, it's just, it's a lot to talk about. And that's why I want to invite Aaron to help us see that it's not as an intimidating process as we all make it out to be. And of course, it's not a subject that everybody loves talking about, but we are here to make it enjoyable and doable. And, and most importantly, it's, it's super, super important to do. And if anything, I've realized through this process, um, working with Aaron is just, um, I feel so relieved to know that it's done or that it's almost done. like just, to have my thoughts cleared. I didn't realize the process. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how much of a weight it actually is. So anyway. Um, okay, Aaron, let's learn a little bit about Aaron. Um, tell me about your family. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me, Tiffany. Yeah. Um, appreciate you inviting me in and I'm happy to be here. And we actually, by the way, we know each other because I know his wife, Sharon, and we all work out together. So I've known Aaron, you know, in the workout world more than I have lawyer-ish. Yeah. The bleary-eyed 5.30 yeah, the five workout <laughs> world. <laughs> we see each other, we acknowledge each other, we work out, we leave, you know, that kind of thing. But then we kind of, you know, I put together that you were Sharon's husband. And, and I knew Sharon before I knew you because you were going through an adoption and I kind of knew a little bit about that. But, okay, anyway, tell me about your family. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... I live in Westland. I'm married. Uh, my wife Sharon is uh, amazing, as shout many out to of you who yeah, shout out to her. Um, many of the people listening today probably know her and and love her. Hopefully, um, I know I do. Uh, we've been married for 15 years, and uh, we were high school sweethearts, or we met in high school oh, at were? least. Yeah, I didn't know you were yeah, we kind of met towards the end of high school and uh, started dating, and then. Uh, got married, and uh, we have five kids. So our oldest son is 14, and he's an eighth grader. We have an 11-year-old daughter who's a sixth grader. We have eight-year-old identical twin daughters, or almost eight, I should say, and they're in second grade. And then our youngest son, Ryan, is three and a half. And um, identical twins. Let's just back up there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard this story about how you guys found out you were having identical twins. It was like, a, like, cause identical twins is almost like what one in it's pretty rare. I think it's like maybe 10% of twins are identical. It might even be lower than that. Yeah. Don't you feel like incredibly special to have that? Like we have identical twins and they are identical. I can't tell them apart. Those girls. Yeah. Yeah. Special, lucky, blessed, Freaked uh, out. Freaked out, intimidated, <laughs> <laughs> tired, exhausted yeah. uh, for the last, you know, almost eight years. It's, yeah, it's been amazing. It's, uh, it was an amazing blessing to have them, but it was shock. the shock of our life to, to see that ultrasound and see two of them on there. Yeah, something no that's going to imprint your mind, yeah. like, forever. Yeah. That's cool. And, and then, um, but adoption has always been, was that something that, both of you were like that is something that um because ryan is adopted he's the youngest ryan's adopted our youngest son ryan is adopted from uh the democratic republic of congo okay and um he uh, that, that was a dream adoption has been a dream of sharon's for since she was little she grew up uh with some close family friends who had adopted internationally okay. and it's something she always wanted to do it's something that we have kind of always talked about in our relationship and I think it was definitely it was on Sharon's mind always and it was something that was kind of in our long-term plans and then the twins came and we went from 
you know, the idea of having three kids and maybe stopping there to having four. And they're identical twins. Like we said, they are, you know, wonderful, but intense and spirited little girls. And so it's been a nonstop whirlwind (laughs) ever since they were born. So for me, I kind of, the idea of adoption um, just kind of drifted out of my mind a little bit. And, uh, you know, when the twins were four or five, it came back up and we saw the need there and decided to do it. And uh, it's been the most amazing thing that ever could have happened uh, to our family. He's, uh, Ryan's amazing and he's fit in uh, unbelievably well and uh, brought us so much joy. So it's been wonderful. It's so cool. It's like, I don't know, I think once people hit like the three mark and of course you were like fortune the four mark, it's like, eh, what's one more? What's one more? What's, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like, I can kind of see that in my, you know, having three. It's like, could we have four? But, well, that ship has sailed. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's, it. you do just get more and more joy, you know, the more you. You do. You do. And you kind of learn, you learn a routine and you kind of just learn how to survive in whatever, yeah. you know, situation you have. But, um yeah, I never, if you, someone had told me I'd have five kids, um, I, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I, I would not have believed it, but here we are. And, um, you know, obviously I wouldn't, wouldn't change anything. It's, sure. it's amazing. Yeah. We're incredibly blessed. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I can, been... I can, I can sense that that is, yeah. Well, and then transitioning to, um, I'm well, so what you guys don't know is, is that um, Aaron took me through the process of going, um, like I went to his office and we sat down and we talked and he helped me figure out, you know, gave me the paperwork to figure out what we want to do with estate planning and all that kind of stuff. And we'll get more into that. But one thing that he mentioned, um, in our meeting, which I could tell just, I think from even just like from a male perspective too, is just that I could tell that he's passionate about his job because he feels relief knowing where his family is going to be and that they're going to be completely taken care of. And that is his first priority. And I can tell that that kind of goes in all areas of his life, but being that this is your job, like I could tell that, you know, this, you're guiding people and thinking this is what this, this will give you peace of mind knowing you know, where your family is and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that kind of thing, if something were to happen. And I think a lot of people, it's like, do I really even want to go there? You know, but I can tell from you, like, that is your passion. You know, you're living out your passion in this way. Is that true? I mean, yeah, it is. It's, it's tell me um, exactly what you're, what you do, you know, like your job. Yeah. So, um, I, I think well said, it definitely is a passion. It, it's a calling to, um, help families protect themselves, have the peace of mind that if something, you know, the unthinkable happens that their kids, um, are going to be, you know, well cared for, um, and in the best situation, uh, that they could be in, um, considering what they would have gone through at that point. So, um, I, you know, I do love what I do. Um, I, I, you know, I started off my legal career working for, uh, you know, kind of a downtown corporate law firm, uh, fighting over money for, you know, large companies and that sort of thing. And, uh, found it, uh, well, it was good experience, found it incredibly unfulfilling. And, um, when I transitioned out of that and started my own practice, uh, eight years ago, almost eight years ago at this point, um, I decided to transition into, uh, basically a counselor role as opposed to a, you know, litigation or, or an advocate role and, you know, sort of uh, realize it opened my eyes to the fact that having this law degree didn't mean that I had to be, you know, suing people, which is what, you know, a lot of people think it is to be a lawyer, but it actually meant that I could uh, guide people and protect people. And um, yeah, so that so that's what I do now. So basically, my practice focuses um, almost entirely on estate planning. And what that is, is basically, for the most part, um, helping individuals and families uh, create wills and trusts and things like that um, to make sure that, again, if something happens, the right people are going to be in place to uh, be the guardian for your children, um, that 
the right people will be there to um, take care of any you know funds or assets that are left behind to make sure that the kids are um, you know taken care of as well as possible and that you know if something does happen that the process um, afterwards of kind of making sure everything gets set up uh, properly for the kids is as you know easy and smooth and um, hopefully as inexpensive uh, as possible for those who are left behind. Well, and two, it's like, um, one thing too, is that you're also a financial planner as well. Like you kind of do a little bit of both, right? Yeah, I do. I, um, have two businesses, um, but they work really well together. So I am a, um, you know, licensed financial planner, um, so I'm able to, you know, manage money and, uh, you know, take care of insurance needs and things like that. And so, which um, is huge. Yeah. I mean, more than anything, I think it just gives me a little bit different perspective, um, than, you know, a lot of my colleagues on, on either side. Um, and there's, you know, there's fantastic, uh, estate planning attorneys out there. There's fantastic financial advisors out there. Um, there's just not very many of us that I know of at least that do both. And so, um, I always sort of have both, uh, you know, sets of, uh, of information in mind when I'm meeting with clients, but, um, which is, let me, I mean, that's, that is rare. That's super rare. And that's awesome because like even walking through the process, just like, okay, well, you know, we have like in our situation, we do have some life insurance, um, through Brian's work and, uh, some other stuff too, but we have like a separate insurance company that we use for like life insurance for the kids and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, walking through it further, it's like, okay, well maybe I want to get some more life insurance on myself. Um, we don't really have any on for myself. And so Aaron was able to, you know, with our needs and, um, you know, like this, maybe like some setbacks that I might have with trying to find the right life insurance, Aaron can just go boom. He knows all the outlets of where to plug in to say, this is your best route. This is the cheapest route. This is, you know, he's got his hands in all that stuff. So you don't have to do the work. Like it's not a separate thing. So you're doing your estate planning and you're figuring out the life insurance and whatever, you know, um, trusts this, you know, all that stuff, all the financials tied to, that estate planning, which skipping steps is awesome because it's, I don't want it kind of all separate. Like it's kind of nice just to have it all in one entity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I always feel like that the sort of the legal world, the estate planning world, the financial planning world is a, can be a confusing, intimidating place. It is. Uh, for a lot of people, it's like, well, what do I, what do I do? I have, or you always feel like you don't have enough. Right. You don't feel like you have enough. You have people telling you, uh, whether it be in person or, you know, internet ads or on TV commercials or whatever, that you need this service or you need that. Um, and I have always felt that my job is really to try to simplify things and help people prioritize. Yeah. And so the fact that I practice law and I'm also um, a financial professional, I can look at the whole picture and say, you know, what are the most important things you need to do? Not just let's try to find you a product that I need to sell you and fit you into it, but let's figure out what you actually need. And when, you know, I'm talking to young families, um, sure, you know, it's important to save for retirement and, and things like that. But if you don't have your estate planning done, so you know that, you know, the right people will be in place for your kids if something happens to you. And if you don't have, um, you know, funds in place, assets in place uh, to leave behind, if something happens to you unexpectedly to replace your income, to make sure that your kids have, you know, money to feed them, clothe them, shelter them, send them to school, etc. Um, those are really the first priorities. So, um, you know, with young families, uh, and even older, more mature families uh, as well, um, you know, making sure the estate planning is done and making sure that there's a, you know, protection plan in place as far as, um, you know, life insurance, if there's not other assets available, those are the first two steps. And if you don't hit those two steps, you're, you know, jumping ahead if you move on to something else. Which that is valuable information because I think most of us out there are like, 
feel like, okay, our retirement, you know, saving for retirement, we're just, it's all focused on that, you know, or even college for the kids, um, thinking about college, like I just, it just constantly feels behind. Like we're not doing enough, this and that. So where, why would I want to go to a financial advisor to hear, well, you just need to spend more money to get money. And that's just that it actually really isn't like that. I think it's more just like guiding you with where you're at and, and like what you were saying, you are really passionate about what happens if you die. Like, and which the word that I have never heard before, which is the, the P word, which is called probate. And that is something that happens. Um, I want you to talk more about that, but like that is, you know, the side of what happens when people don't go through the process of estate planning, you know, um, retirement at this point does not matter. College funds at this point don't matter unless you know where that stuff is actually going. Um, so from your experience, like, what happens when you die? Like, like people, let's do two scenarios. One scenario where you don't have anything in place and then one scenario that you do have something in place. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the one that doesn't. You have nothing in place. You right. have nothing in place. Someone dies. Okay, say in my situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, Brian dies. We, mm -hmm. have no, like, we have nothing in place. Or mm -hmm. no, we both die, I mean. Mm -hmm. You okay. both die. We both die. What happens? This is fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you getting a visual I'm doing... a picture? How did it happen? Just... Let's talk about what actually it happened. Was. Well, what no. happened was is, you know, we were driving in the rain because we live in Portland. Mm. And um, suddenly um, someone swerved in our lane and we, this is just tragic. You, you know, we died. We died. And this is the other thing is that I actually thought about this. What happens, like, we die. Who knows to call the lawyer to say, hey, they died. Who are you? Like, I wanted to know that, too. Right. Like, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, so we died. Yeah. Um, it's like the Oregon Trail style. Have you ever played that game? Yeah. We died yeah. of... We died, <laughs> we died of... Typhoid Yeah, we died of typhoid. Like that, or yeah, crop trying to ford the river. Yeah. We yeah. tried... Yeah, so that's how we died. So no, it's it, it's a great question, and so the the sad part is is that when people haven't done any planning and they don't know who to call, the way that uh, the lawyer eventually gets involved is that someone tries to, you know, a family member or somebody like that tries, you know, goes down to the bank and says, "We need to get access to these funds so that we can, you know, keep paying the bills and take care of the kids." And the bank says, "Well, sorry, you can't because that account's registered to." you know, a person who's deceased now. So Brian Murphy. It, it, yeah, Brian Murphy, Tiffany Murphy. It's a, it's an estate account and you need an order from the probate court in order to be able to access that account and start taking care of the kids. And so what that, that's what probate is. You know, there's a misconception. Okay. Out wait, there. so back up. So I mm -hmm. die. We died. Mm -hmm. We died. Mm -hmm. Okay. What exactly, let's start from like literal step by step. So mm -hmm. we died what happens? The kids find out we died. What happens right after that? From a financial and from legal a financial and legal, yes. Yeah. So S somebody tries to contact the bank. Someone's gonna first. Someone's gonna sort of take care of your kids, right? Okay. Hopefully, you're gonna have a close relative or friend who's gonna be able to um, at least temporarily take care of your kids. Yeah, but if they're out of town. If you're out of town, so there, there's there's a document we can prepare that's called a, a temporary. Um, guardian affidavit so that you can actually have someone in place who would temporarily take care of your children if you were you know out of town or, or something like that if they needed medical care that kind of thing but if you don't have anything in place now you're gonna have a couple of problems one is that the people who are that you may want or who you would want to take care of your kids they may not have the legal authority to um take custody of your kids move them into their house take them to the doctor if they need to things like that and a court is now actually going to have to appoint a guardian someone is going to have to petition the court whether it be a relative or whether it be um you know uh, the state sort of department of child services is going to have to petition the court to try to get a guardian appointed for your kids and if you don't have it in writing if you don't have it in a will it may not be the person that um that you, you want. want it may not even be your second or your third choice right it could be 
someone else um, for, you know, who knows what reason or what, um, you know, motivation that there might be for that. Um, the other aspect is that financially, your your kids or the person who's taking care of your kids is may not be able to get their hands on your money. So the money that you have left behind in bank accounts or investment accounts, um, you know, dealing with your house, things like that there's going to be a whole process that's going to have to take place and it's called the probate process. And okay. so there is a misconception out there that, Hey, if I don't have millions of dollars, probate's not going to be an issue for me. I don't need a trust. I don't need planning because I don't really have a whole lot. But the truth is, is that, um, Oregon has a very sort of low bar for what requires uh, a probate and a probate is, is a court process. Um, that basically is is the process that the court supervises to transfer the assets of a deceased person or a deceased couple into uh, a trust for the benefit of their children or directly to their children if their children are, are old enough. Um, if you own a home um, that's worth $200,000 or more market value, regardless of what your equity is in it, so you could have you know, even debt that exceeds the value of the home or it's close to the value of the home, then a probate's required. Um, and if you have $75,000 or more of other personal property, could be accounts, um, business assets, vehicles, whatever, um, that also uh, triggers a probate process. And so, you know, what that is, is just the process of, a, of the court. So if we're here in Clackamas County, it would be the Clackamas County Probate Court sort of overseeing the transfer of those assets from the estate of the deceased person to the beneficiaries or to a trust for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And it'll happen eventually, right? It'll get into some kind of a trust for the kids. Um, someone will get appointed to, to manage those assets, whether it be a family member or a friend or even a, you know, a bank or a trust company, a professional type of fiduciary. But, um, it may happen uh, slowly. It may be expensive and require, um, you know, a lot more sort of attorney involvement and attorney fees um, than were than are necessary. Had some planning been done, um, and ultimately, and those fees go on the family, really. The fees go on the family. They go on the estate. Yeah. Right. So it's going to come out of the sort of the the pool of money or assets that are left behind. Um, and it, and, and the trust that's set up for the kids may not be set up the way you want it. It may not have the, the rules, um, that you would have wanted for your children as far as how those assets were going to be managed and who's managing them. Yeah. That's a lot of hands in the pot if it's not all planned out. Yeah. It and, can be. and so then basically not having an estate plan thing, then we died um, and then you're basically letting the law decide where everything goes rather than the person that you chose. That's I mean, right. Essentially, that's what, basically what you're, you're saying. You're saying like, is that right? Like, yeah, a lot of it is now out of your hands. It's out of your hands. how the process is going to go. Um, and it's a public process too. When you have a, a probate in a county court, it all becomes part of the county court record. So oh, if someone's really interested in finding out what kind of assets you have and are leaving behind, they can do that just by going, you know, down to the courthouse or in some counties, um, looking up the court records online. So some you know, Joe blow out of the family comes in and is like, Oh, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of this. I'm going to try to fight for that. Yeah, it's possible. Right. And so, um, yeah, I would say, you know, probate typically results in, more time spent um, transitioning things, um, more money spent usually, and um, you know, more of a public process, and um, just a lot more sort of uncertainty and stress for the kids the, and the family members who are left behind. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously through that process, we were to die. I mean, who? what's the last thing we would want our family to be dealing with is that I mean it's hard enough dying then I mean <laughs> like them having to deal with that or whatever you know well, it's like, the emotional aspect yeah the emotional like, aspect yeah. it's like that's what I think it feels like if Brian dies it's like I don't I can't even picture myself picking me up off the ground let alone having to make a phone call about like 
okay, what's bank next? Account or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like I just, I don't want, th- like, one thing's for sure. If there's anything that I've learned about this podcast or doing this is that shit happens. It does. People do die. Things do happen. And it's like these random fluke things. It's just, it's, I guess as we get older, it's like we see the possibility just becoming a little bit more possible. Whereas like when I was, you know, in my twenties, I was just like, that would never happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the sooner you can catch on to the fact that, you know, just peace of mind, you know, and then, but from your experience though, the difference between watching someone go through probate, a family, which I'm sure is super heartbreaking for you in the sense of just like, Oh, this could have been so much easier. Um, and then versus someone who had it kind of lined up, Mm -hmm. what is, what are some differences? Like, um, you know, obviously it could take forever with the probate process Mm -hmm. and then not having it. I mean, can your, from your experience or what you've known from people going through this, like what could it look like if you do have it planned out? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've seen it both ways. So I have a client who I worked with recently and she's, um, you know, young single mother, um, you know, early, early to mid thirties. And she unfortunately has already, you know, been through a a probate because her, uh, her partner who was the father of her children, uh, passed away unexpectedly at a young age. And, um, you know, in this case they didn't, their assets weren't jointly titled, um, and things like that. And they had no, you know, will or, or trust or any other planning documents in place. And she spent a long time, um, you know, dealing with the probate court, trying to get, um, you know, assets taken care of, um, you know, life insurance, the house that they lived in, uh, things like that. And she's still, um, dealing with the effects of that. And this was, I think almost two years ago that this happened. So she came to me afterwards saying, you know, I would never want, my kids, you know, my brother and sister who I would leave and, you know, um, my kids in the care of if something happened to me now to have to go through this process that I just, that I just went through. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's kind of the goal is to, is to simplify it. And you hear, you hear a lot of, uh, of horror stories, even from celebrities with, you know, very large estates who haven't taken care of, of planning, you know, Prince is an example. What happened with Prince? Oh, you know, he died leaving a, a, I don't even know how big the estate was, but huge, obviously. And, um, you know, didn't have much of a plan in place. And, you know, there's a, there's a probate dispute and, you know, all kinds of family members and other, um, folks, you know, sticking their hand into the pot and, um, and it's public and, you know, it's playing out. Brutal. Yeah. He didn't have a plan, huh? Yeah, and it's it, it's not that uncommon. There's a I don't off the top of my head I don't um, like you know, have any four, other names. But wait, one in four people. I think yeah. you kind of said to me like one in four people do have it planned. Is that right? That's probably about right. I mean, I think I I saw a statistic not too long ago that was um, you know less than fifty percent of people with minor children, so young children, even have a will in place. You know, designating a guardian for their kids. Um, which is scary. You know, you think about that. If, if someone with uh, young kids passes away, there's probably a, a one in three chance that they actually have a guardian designated and that that person will, you know, more than likely become the guardian for their child. Um, for a lot of people, it's really left left up in the air. And then um, the other statistic was that less than 50% of the baby boomer generation which is the generation that you know at this point holds most of the wealth in the country um or who will be inheriting you know uh the rest of that wealth or a lot of that wealth from their you know elderly parents don't have wills estate planning in place either so there's a lot of um you know people sort of from a at least from an estate planning standpoint living on the edge out there so there's a lot of a lot of work to be done and i just my personal experience is just, um, you know, talking to people, meeting people, whether it be in, in uh, my community or, um, 
you know, around the sports fields or around the schools or whatever, they find out what I do and that I'm an estate planner and the reaction I get probably, you know, 70% of the time plus is, oh man, we really need to do that. That's something that we've been talking about, you know, needing to do. Yeah. And we just have put it off because it's an uncomfortable topic. Uh, it's, you know, talking about your own death isn't comfortable. Right. I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> I've been doing I'm, it for a I, lot of years. It doesn't so bother me so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it did. But for me, I think the hump was, it's just like, oh, the intimidating process of going to an office, meeting a lawyer, hence Aaron, um, you know, like, is how much is this going to cost me? You know, like just, just the hump, you know, it's just like, you, you know, we're always checking things off the list, but that seems to be the last thing on the list, but yet really should it be? I mean... It's like, I think the thing that got me, so yeah, back to going to the office. All you do, you call the office. It's a free consultation. You you sign your name up. You show up, talk with Aaron, leave. Boom. Done. Done. <laughs> done and done. Protected. 100%. Yeah, protected. 100%. I mean, it's totally doable. Okay. Um, anyway, but I was going to say that the thing that got me was, is just that when you know you you know you and your husband or whoever your partner is or whatever you have these kids and you're like okay you both die um who's to say you know you both have in mind like you tell the person okay um joe blow i want you to be in charge of the kids well they know they're in charge of the kids when you die but yet someone in the family you both die someone in the family who has say more assets and more money that can provide more for the kids the court might actually choose them to be like they're fighting for your kids too so you have it's this is where i mean by like leaving it up to the law is that just because you choose somebody and even just word of mouth or even this or that someone in your family can come out and say well actually i have more I can actually have more stability for the kids in this way because of this or this or this. Mm -hmm. So again, you're letting other people decide who is going to have your kids. And to me, that has actually really nothing to do with money. That has everything to do with just someone choosing who they, what they think is right for my kids. And that is not okay with me. Mm -hmm. So, um, just that in and of itself for me is like, was the biggest, Thing for me to want to do something like this is just purely just even that. Mm-hmm. Um, and am I right in saying that? Yeah, and that's and that's why it's so important to have it in writing because if you put it into your will, um, a, you know, a court, a judge has to appoint a guardian. There has to be a legal order of guardianship. So just because it's in your will doesn't mean it's automatic. There still has to there still is this legal process of guardianship, right? But if you name someone in your will, you know, this is this is who we want as the guardian of our children, um, the judge is going to, you know, give give deference to that, you know, go with that unless there's a compelling reason not to. You know, there's some someone's able to show that that person um, is unfit to be the guardian right. or that person says, you know what, I just, I can't do it for whatever reason, but you're right. We, you don't want to let it down to let it come down to, um, money or, you know, a contest of who has the better lawyer to fight for these kids. And now it's, you know, your evil stepmother is taking over guardianship yeah. instead of the, you know, your sister who you wanted, you know, or whatever the case, uh, may be. So, um, it, it's really important to have it in writing it's also really important to make sure that, um, you know, there are some financial resources that you leave behind for the kids so that, you know, it doesn't come down to a situation of, well, that, you know, there's no money. And because this guardian doesn't have the, you know, financial capabilities to be able to take over two or three kids, we are going to instead award guardianship to this other person who is maybe not the ideal parent for your children, the ideal guardian for your children, but they have financial resources so therefore you know they get they get picked yeah and that to me is just like i don't want that mm-hmm. so um that so like back to seeing that all play out i mean you've seen what's the fastest situation that you've seen like what like the process of like a smooth situation that you witnessed where yeah. it's like they had a will, they had mm-hmm. it all. Like, what did that look like? The per- okay, so the people died. Yeah. What happens? So when we okay. use this, we use this uh, document called a revocable living trust, okay. and that is, 
um, kind of a magical document in a sense because it allows you to avoid the probate process with your estate. So by by having, by meeting with you though and having it all done, it's already there, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's part of the process for most people, right? It's not necessary for everyone, um, but it can be a really valuable document. Okay. Um, it's, and it's funny because this is another one of those misconceptions where people say, well, don't, don't I need millions of dollars to need a trust? Because a trust is really just for, for rich people, for wealthy people, right? And that's really not the case. Um, uh, trust can help um, for transitioning, you know, large amounts of, of money and, and things like that and, and tax planning and that kind of thing. But one of the most fundamental benefits of a revocable living trust is that it provides a way to avoid the probate process with your assets. So rather than you passing away and your house and your bank accounts and other assets getting tied up in this court process um, where you're kind of at the you know, mercy of the legal system in a sense in terms of how fast things are going to move and who's going to be involved and that sort of thing, um, you can keep the process private and let the, the family member or the friend or whoever it is that you choose to be in charge of that process um, transition those assets into a trust fund for your kids without having to involve the courts. There may have to be a little bit of a attorney involvement. That's not uncommon. Um, but typically it's going to be um, an easier process that's going to hopefully move faster and, and uh, you know, involve less, less fees and things like that. So a trust is really just a, a document that you create that allows you to transfer assets into um, an imaginary bucket, if you will. By having this trust, you can now title your house, your bank accounts, vehicles, um, other assets in the name of this trust that you control 100%. You still have um, 100% access to all of those assets to use them exactly the way you want during your lifetime. But because you've titled them in the name of this trust, and this trust now lives beyond your death because it has rules in it that say, when we die, here's who's in charge of the trust. They're, yeah. they're going to be in place. Here's what happens. It turns into a trust fund for our kids and it can be used for education and you know things like that. You don't have to go through that probate process after death. The person who you've named as your successor trustee, that's what we call the person who's going to be in charge of those of the trust and of the assets in it after your death, you know, for the benefit of the kids, they have essentially immediate access to be able to just start using those assets. And it's a private process and it doesn't have to go through the probate court. So So like, what is the difference time-wise? Like, well, I mean, I understand the public thing about about it too, but it's not, I mean, is it assumed that, okay, say we die, that our assets go to the kids? Is that assumed? If there's no if there's no documents in place, yeah, you mean, yeah, it is. I mean, it's assumed that it goes to your. So if if both spouses die and they leave children behind, then the kids are the, you know, legally they are the the beneficiaries, the people who would inherit the assets. Um, and in, that's recognized by the law. Yeah, recognized by the oh, law. Okay. And in most cases, they're going to get their hands on those assets at eighteen, um, sometimes twenty one in mm. some cases, which most people. Are Don't not necessarily want that. that. Yes, I would not be comfortable with that. Certainly, um, for my kids, and so if the kids are are minors, then um, what would happen is something called a conservatorship would be set up, which is sort of a uh, court appointed, um, court supervised to some extent, um, kind of trust over the assets for yeah. the kids. So someone would be appointed, yeah, just like a guardian would be appointed. Someone sure. would be appointed to to you know watch those assets, and it may or may not be the person that you would want. And then, you know, again, in most cases, those kids hit 18, sometimes 21, depending on the asset, but they would have those assets, you know, retitled into their own name and they can do whatever they, they want with them. So um, just another sort of pitfall to not having your, your planning in place. Yeah, that is quite a pitfall. I mean, basically, it's just estate planning is taking with whatever you have and making it yours even after you die, you knowing where everything is going and who's getting it and first, second, thirds of who needs to be in charge, it's pretty much all honored. And that's what you've seen happen through the process. I mean, 
someone who does have to go through probate versus someone who doesn't have to go to probate, what can be the time difference? We understand the public part of it being mm-hmm. private and public, but like, mm-hmm. what's the difference in time? Like, I mean, I know that's probably different and variable to each case and how much money is involved and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, is this a difference between like years, months? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's totally dependent case by case because yeah. it depends to some extent on, um, you know, are you doing it yourself rather than hiring an attorney, which is its own challenge because that's going to typically take you longer because you're going to have missteps and, yeah. and things like that. And there's all kinds of requirements about providing, um, you know, publishing notice of, of an estate in uh, newspapers and things like that to, you know, give notice to creditors um, that could exist out there of the estate. And there's notice requirements as well with trust, but um, it's a little bit more streamlined. So it, it depends on, you know, how fast do you move? How fast do the attorneys that you're probably, you know, hiring to help you with the probate move? How fast is your particular county court system move? How quickly do you get this notice published in the newspaper? Um, and then, you know, what types of you know, creditors or people claiming a, an interest in your estate potentially come out of the woodwork. And that can happen to some extent with a trust, too. Um, but again, it, it typically trust overrules in most cases. Right. I mean, if there's a creditor, they still have, uh, you know, you owe someone money. They may still potentially well, yeah. have a claim against your estate. Right. But, I get that. But yeah. So but 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 with a trust, it you know, it's a private process and you don't have to work your way through the court system and be on their deadlines and their calendar and that sort of thing. So there's cases where, um, you know, a probate could be completed in, in five or six months. That's pretty rare. Usually it, it takes longer than that. Um but yeah, and there's there's certainly many cases where it takes years just because of how complicated the estate is or how slow the court's moving um, in that particular case or or you know a number of different factors. Um, and then there's you know on the other side there's situations with trusts where things can happen very quickly. Um, you know potential creditors still need to be notified, but if they're not out there and there's no um, you know debts that that need to be taken care of or those debts can be handled quickly, then, you know, you could see uh, the assets set up for the kids and everything sort of, you know, flowing smoothly from a financial standpoint, at least, um, you know, within within weeks, potentially, if things are done right and, you know, everything's been planned properly and assets are titled in the name of the trust and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's huge. That a big that's, a, that's a huge difference, mm-hmm. really. And um, and essentially you're kind of an advocate for these people too, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm alive right now and asking you all these questions and those kind of things. But I know that if I were to die and Brian were to die, I know that you would make sure yeah. sh- stuff happens. I'm a, <laughs> like, good, I, I'm, a good, I'm a good starting point for the, for the people it's left like, behind. <laughs> it is kind of true though. Like you are, I mean, because basically, Okay. So we we're going through the process. So I'm telling my brother, I'm like, okay, this is who you need to call if we die. Yeah. We they call you. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, they can call any attorney they want, or they can try to handle it. On yeah, their but own. you're the one that has all our stuff. I'm probably gonna have the right. I'm gonna be the one who is most in the know with regard to your stuff. But I also encourage my clients to actually, as long as you're comfortable with it, and there's nothing, you know, in your documents that you don't want shared. You know, actually share your documents, share your wills, share your trusts with that family member, that close family member or close family members who are going to be the people who are going to be, you know, left behind to be in charge if something yeah. happens to you. Um, you know, share those documents with them so that they, you know, they don't have to read them now. <laughs> they probably don't want to. That would sure. be kind of boring. But um, if something does happen, they have the documents so they that because that's really the starting point is having those documents because that's the legal authority for them to do what you've asked them to do and what they need to do and then they have my contact information so they can get in contact with me um or if they decide that they're going to get in contact with another lawyer because they have a relationship with somebody or they're in a different city or whatever the case may be which is which is perfectly fine you know nothing says that they have to come back to me Um, but if they do then at least they have those documents already so there's not this you know search for where are the documents you know rifling through your house looking for them 
um, you know, trying to get a hold of me and, and it's a weekend or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's good to, to, um, you know, share the documents. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, it's, you know, and back to what you were saying with the lawyer stuff, I mean, with having the trust and having all that kind of built up, I mean, to think about money being literally wasted away because the money wasn't lined up and you're having to spend money on a lawyer that's taken away from your estate and all that stuff, that is so aggravating that it has to be like that. You know, like I would not want that for my family to have to deal with that. I mean, those are the two biggest things like dealing with my finances after I die and then being loaded with more, you know, stuff when that money could be used for the kids, which, and then in turn helps them. And then on top of that, knowing where my kids are going. I mean, those are two really big factors that play into my decision to really go forward with all that, you Mm -hmm. know, but, um, but yeah. So is there something more to add to, I mean, the process seems doable. You can show up to the office. It's not super intimidating. Um, you know, you can make this possible. No money's too less. No money's too more. Your clients are all over the place. Right. And, Yeah, anyone, you know, you do not have to be wealthy, right, to need your estate Mm -hmm. planning done. If you have kids, um, you need it done. If you have... You want uh, it done. It's not that you you want it done. You want... I'm I'm telling you, you want it done. You want it done. You need it done, but you also need want it done. Absolutely right. And you'll you'll feel better. I mean, the, the biggest satisfaction that I get in my practice is having, you know, a family, a couple, an individual, whoever it is, that's my client, you know, sign their documents and then walk out of the office feeling like there's a weight lifted off their shoulders. Cause I can see it. I can see the weight lifted off their shoulders. And they yeah. tell me, I'm so glad we did this. I feel so much better now that this is done. And people are, you know, you're right. People are intimidated by the, by the process, you know, you hear estate planning or you hear wills or trusts or whatever, and it's, it's uncomfortable. It's intimidating. You think it's going to be, um, you know, a long drawn out time consuming process. And it's It's not, not. I mean, we try to make it easy. You know, you probably, you came into the office, like we chatted about, you know, life and your situation and that kind of thing. We try not to be stuffy and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and, um, try to make it as easy as possible. You know, it's my job to to guide my clients through the decisions and and help simplify the process. Um, you know, you as the as the client shouldn't have to um, you know reinvent the wheel and and draft your own <laughs> will and, right. and all those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, that's my job. I just have to you know ask you the right questions and make sure that you're thinking about the right things when you make the important decisions. And then. Um, you know, put the documents together, come in, sign them, and, uh, you know, you're done. Go put them away, you know, lock them away somewhere safe. And, um, you know, when things change in your life, think about, are there any updates we need to make? Um, every, you know, year or two, pull them out, read through them, make sure you're still happy with what they say, that sort of thing. Um, And other than that, just kind of, um, you know, at least, you know, in a world where you don't have peace of mind over, a lot of things and there's a lot of uncertainty for, for all of us and a lot of aspects in our life, at least have peace of mind that if something happens to you that, you know, at least those important legal and financial, um, uncertainties are as well, you know, thought out and planned for as possible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's really not a lot you have control over in this life, but that is one that you might actually kind of actually really do have control. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you do have control over that. Like, that's a good thing. I mean, that's all we want, you know. And, um, you know, talking with Aaron, too, it's like, you know, like, I, this is how it's like. Okay, you know, like, when you go to a vet, and um, and I've been to a lot of different vets, okay? I'm just, you know. And I can go to a vet and walk out of a vet and feel like I am the worst pet owner on the planet because I'm not one to like buy everything or like get every shot for the animal or like, you know, and I'm not comparing my kids to pets necessarily, but I kind of am in the sense of (laughs) like, I can go to a vet's office and feel completely judged 
because it's like, wow, you're not doing that for your pet. You must be like a terrible pet owner. Or you could go to a place where, which I finally found the best vet, um, where, you know, they help you figure out what's best for your situation and kind of tweak it to where, you know, it's a non-judgmental process. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone, that is part of not wanting to go there is because mm -hmm. you don't want to feel judged. Yeah. You know, and I know just my experience with Aaron, I did not feel that way. And, um, and I think that's a big issue for people is just like, because I think we're tend to be hard on ourselves. Like we're not doing enough for our kids or we're not doing enough for these things. And it's actually really not like that. It's more just like taking control of what you already have. Yeah. There's no judgment. It's just like, it's just a helpful service. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there, there definitely is no judgment. Um, and I've had, you know, I've had that experience where people don't want to come in because they're embarrassed. You know, our, our kids are in college now and we never, you know, we never had a will done. And, you know, I'm, I'm so embarrassed by that. It's like, well, you know, better now than never, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've had people who are intimidated or embarrassed because they feel like, well, we don't, we're embarrassed of our financial situation or, you know, we don't have assets. We couldn't possibly you know, need these types of services or possibly be able to afford them or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, for me, I need to make money like everybody else, yeah. you know, to support my family. But I would rather make no money and have a, you know, family protected and have them, you know, have the peace of mind that if something happened, their kids would go to the right place. Um, than, you know, worry about the bottom line for my own business. So I've, you know, I encourage everyone to, to come in and get this done. Um, I've, you know, st steeply discounted my fees before. I've done um, planning for at no charge before um, because I, I truly believe in the importance of this. And um, I am passionate about it. And I want, you know, every family out there to be protected and you know, money should not be a barrier to having that, you know, peace of mind for your family. Yeah. Well, Aaron, um, thank you so much for talking about all of this and being willing to come on this topical life and just share your heart and your passion and, um, obviously knowledge about the subject and um, I'm just grateful that we ran into each other and that we know each other and that you're helping us through this process. And um, I hope that you guys are listening, that um, Aaron is totally reachable. I can hook you up. I will have the website ready for you, phone numbers and whatnot. Um, but least at just at the very least, reach out and have a conversation um, and start from there. So anyway, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Tiffany. It was fun. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, we are not done yet. I had one very important question for Aaron, and that is, can you do this stuff online? And, and is it worth doing online? Like people say, oh, I can just, why do I need to do estate planning when I can just go online or whatever? And Brian and I actually did like a long time ago, like in a pinch, we did go online. We were going to go on a cruise and it's just like, okay, these are where the blah, 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 blah. This is where the kids go if we die, blah, 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 blah. And the documents looked like you could just go online, just print stuff off. But I never really, I mean, what really does happen? Like what's the importance of actually not going online and having someone do it versus doing it online? Yeah. So yeah, tell me. That's a great question. Actually, I get that one a lot. And so I, I guess the, my main idea on this would be with something as important as the care and, um, you know, support of your children um, after your death, do you want to trust that to a kind of fill-in-the-blank online service? Because, I mean, you're right. Almost any service these days, it seems like, um, can be taken care of online. And is it possible that you could do something online and then you'd pass away and things would work out okay for your family. It's possible, but I think the odds are much lower than if you have a, a professional do it. So, um, because well, and there's documents that you know, right. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's, there's holes, right. That are going to be, there, there are going to be holes in your plan if you try to do it online. That's a fact. 
It has it's, to be. It, it's got to be, right? I mean, I think in, in most cases, I don't know if I have, um, you know, a, a study on it necessarily, although I'm sure they're out there. But I, I did research this at one point, and I went on to, you know, one of the more well-known um, online uh, services that does this kind of stuff. And if you look at their disclaimers, it's a little bit disconcerting. It'll be the disclaimer will be to the fact of, you know, we're not a law firm. We're not a substitute for an attorney. We're not providing you any legal advice. We're not explaining the law to you or, or recommending anything. We're not reviewing the answers that you populate into our, our form for legal sufficiency. Um, and we're not, you know, drawing any legal conclusions or, or providing any advice to you for your particular situation and we're not guaranteeing that your documents are going to be correct complete or up to date and that's a direct quote from one of these websites um so that's that's a little scary right you probably for something as important as this you probably want someone who actually will you know make those guarantees or make those representations put their you know professional um reputation on the line to tell you that that your documents are going to be right for you um, and for your family. Um, the other thing is those websites, what they'll often do is they'll say, okay, you know, you're feeling like now you're at a point where you need advice or you don't know how to answer this particular question. Well, what can you do? You can call one of their attorneys <laughs> that yeah. they have, you know, in their network and pay them at an hourly rate to do that. So you're going to end up spending money anyway, in a lot of cases on an attorney who you don't know and who, you know, you haven't really vetted or anyone you know hasn't vetted. They've just maybe been vetted by this particular website. Um, but even that could present problems. And if you don't, you know, have that attorney involvement at all, then you really are taking a lot of risk that, you know, you won't um, think of, of the right provisions, the right way that you want the money to be used for your kids, that sort of thing, the right age where you would want you know, the money distributed to the kids, um, you might miss certain documents, you might not take care of um, your incapacity documents, which is something that we haven't, haven't talked about. But, you know, it's not just what happens if I die, what about if you become disabled, and you can't make, you know, legal or financial decisions for yourself, because you have some kind of, you know, incapacity, there's documents like power of attorney, and uh, an advanced uh, medical directive, which functions kind of like a healthcare power of attorney and a, and direction to doctors as to how you would want your healthcare uh, taken care of if you couldn't, you know, make that decision or verbalize that decision yourself. So there's there's a lot of um, aspects to having a well-rounded estate plan um, that uh, can be missed if you try to do it on your own or do it online. You need a shirt that says, um, in quote. There's a document for that. <laughs> like, be a good you know one. what I mean? Yeah. There's a document for that because there are so many holes, you know, and the one thing I love about having one person or just is that every, you know, these online ones is more like broad and just kind of general. Whereas like every situation is so different and we're all like, you know, you might not have something now that you have an asset that you want to have, but you might have it in the future. And all you have to do is just go to that person, say, I need to add that. Boom, done. You know, just all in one kind of thing, you know? So anyway, just sounds like there's a lot of online's a little bit, is it holy? I mean, it's just, it has holes. Mm -hmm. It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, but it doesn't hold the, um, the promise that things are going to get, taking care of the way you think it's just, right. it's just not, it's just not the case. Yeah. So again, are you going to walk away with feeling at peace about that? I did when I was 25. Now I don't. Right. But anyway, so. Well, anyway. it's like you could do your grocery shopping online and yeah. you might not get the, um, you know, same quality of tomatoes that you would have gotten had you gone into the store and that might right. be okay. Yeah. But do you want that to be the case with your will? you know, or your trust and the guardianship yeah. of your kids. It's true. It's true. So watch out for that. Thanks, Aaron, again. And I'm glad we got to talk about that. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon 
at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com front slash this topical life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. Because life ain't a vacation. <laughs>